Welcome to The Conversation, a St. Patrick Catholic community podcast. We are a community that seeks to know, love, and serve God more as Christian disciples in mission who are living beyond Sunday. Church does not only happen in a building on Sunday, but it is who we are and how we live our faith in the ups and downs of daily life. My name is Adam Stein, and I'm the coordinator of communications here at St. Patrick. Today on this podcast, we are joined by Jill McMahon. Jill is a licensed professional counselor who, for the last 17 years, has specialized in working with survivors of suicide and generalized grief. The last time she was on a podcast with us, we focused on the increasing depression and anxiety experienced by our youth in a time where our community was recognizing an increase in suicide amongst our youth. Since Jill last joined us, we have witnessed many acts of gun violence, mass shootings, and attacks in the public square. In fact, Gun Violence Archive lists 271 mass shootings this year alone. Included in this number is a recent string of events in Northern California and El Paso, Texas. Our pastor, Father Eric, has asked us as a parish to be open to this conversation, to listen and to learn, and to discern how we may be called to respond. With that in mind, we wanted to bring Jill back to talk and share from her perspective, both the perspective of the youth that she works with and her own personal experience. Jill, thank you for being here. It's great to have you back. Um, with that in mind, I'll just let you start us off. Mm. What do you want to say? Yeah. Good morning, Adam. Um, you and I were kind of discussing prior to pressing the start button this morning about where we wanted to go with this and, and the preparations for, and I think um, you and I have both kind of decided that we're going to see where it goes, and I have a lot of respect for that. I, I sat back yesterday and started kind of prepping for this and um, thought, you know, I should do the scholarly thing and start researching the most current statistics and, um, you know, come at it from that angle. And then I stopped to myself almost immediately and said, I don't want to do that here. I mean, St. Pat's is my home. I'm very comfortable here. I feel that I can say, um, I can speak my mind and it's received with love. And I think as a community, as a whole, um, statistics and studies have been shoved down our throats for the last few years and we feel like they don't matter anymore. Um, nothing's really changing. So I love that you and I are kind of taking on this open format today. I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, I think as a whole, one of the things that I know that our staff has been wrestling with and, and, and dealing with is we don't always do the best job of listening to each other, no matter what the mm -hmm. hot topic issue is. We come at it from our own perspective, our own, whether it's our political leanings or our own faith understanding of it, and we don't listen. We don't just hear. We don't recognize that maybe the answer isn't either or this or that, but maybe it's both and. Maybe it's found in talking with each other um, and really learning that art. And so I know for Father Eric, that's how he wanted us to approach this, this topic and this conversation more than anything else is just where are we, who are we, what do we see, and how can we grow together and be community through it? Um, and I, th I think that was felt um, if anybody was present during the sermon 
where Father Eric basically threw out the rule book, you know, he threw out, um, you know, what was scripted for that day and really genuinely said, there are times where we just need to be human and we need to be real. And I can tell you that that touched me personally. I mean, I sat in the pew like, um, any other person with, um, tears streaming down my face quietly because what he had to say, um, impacts all of us. And to your point, which I think is important for everybody to realize, everybody has a story. And so everybody comes to this topic of violence, gun violence, um, Americans, humans hurting humans, um, from their own angle. And that angle shapes how well they're willing to listen to somebody else. And uh, Father Eric kind of addressed it as we are one, we are kind of one person. Like it's 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 time for everybody to stop and listen. So um, I'm I'm really really applaud St. Pat's for taking this on, because I will tell you in my experience, in this realm in the world of gun safety, gun violence, violence in general, trauma, um, pain, hurt, a lot of people would just rather sweep it under the rug. It's uncomfortable. And they're afraid of making other people uncomfortable. They're afraid of an argument that could ensue around a dining room table at Thanksgiving. And so nobody talks about it. So good for St. Pat's and Father Eric for um, opening it up. You know, you had mentioned a minute ago that everybody comes with their own story and their own point of view. And with that being said... I too have my own story and my own point of view. And I think that's important to air out when we're discussing this topic. Um, I am a gun violence survivor. My mother and I were kidnapped when I was six years old. And at that time, we were actually carjacked. Um, I'm old, ladies and gentlemen. So um, when I was six years old, that was a mighty long time ago. There were no such things as carjackings at that time. They didn't exist. Um, but essentially we were taken from a mall parking lot and, um, approached by two gentlemen that told us that they had a flat tire, asked my mom if she would give them a ride to a friend's house nearby. Um, they pulled us over into a neighborhood and the gentleman in the backseat with me pulled out a gun and held it to my head. So, um, I introduced that into this conversation because that means that I can't be completely objective. It means that I have an angle. The flip side of that is, um, is that I'm also a mental health professional. And so I feel, um, knowledgeable and educated in that realm as well. I am trained in being objective. I have 20 years of training in being objective. So I am, I really try to see things from all angles. And I think that gives me a unique perspective when it comes to the violence that we're seeing in our country right now. I couldn't even imagine what that must have been like at that age. And then to see how you've, you know, taken that and continue to form. And I bet that had to have some kind of impact on your career, life choices and all those things, all those things that you've probably worked out. Mm -hmm long ago as mm-hmm. you've dealt with it yourself. Um, but it's so, it, for me, it's always incredible to see those kind of stories of really redemption where something like that um, can be used to help help other people. Um, and you turn those kind of things in. Um, in 
you know, fairness of bias on the topic or anything like that. I'm not a gun owner. I have family members that are, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I have family members that enjoy a hunt and enjoy mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And that's always been something that I thought was fun. But the problem is my idea of camping is a hotel that does not have room service. So <laughs> me being out in a tent in the woods, you know, waiting to, to find my dinner um, as much as might have seemed like a fun idea. I just kind of go, eh, go have fun. <laughs> um, I'm going to watch Netflix. I'll be here when you um, get back. Yeah, I'll be yep. here when you get back. No, but, um, you know, and then so it's one of those things that it's always been around. I have some cousins that are law enforcement. I have a military brother. I have, you know, people that are around and, and guns and are just a part of that story. They're all safe. They're all responsible. Mm-hmm. And it was a choice that I made, um, you know, for myself to not have it in my home. Though, again, I wouldn't mind going to a gun range and, and just, mm-hmm. you know, having some fun on a target. That seems like a really cool thing that I've only done once and I enjoyed it. And other than that, and a rattlesnake that met its end by a BB gun, thanks to me. <laughs> that's kind of the extent of my experience. And really, I think a lot of that insecurity around it and around the topic comes from, I see this on the outside. I see the effects of um, uh, gun violence um, from an outside perspective. And it's not that I don't trust myself or anything like that, but I just don't trust the situation and so it's easier for me to just go we'll just leave that over there you know I'll let them and those families deal with it and so um, maybe it's lack of education or lack of my own confidence in it but I just it's not something that I've wanted to bring firearms are exceptionally lethal yeah right and that there's where the fear lies and it's a personal choice do you choose to have them in your home and if you do i'm hoping that you get the training and education that you need to have them there but i mean that i understand that that fear that you may have for a firearm that you wouldn't have necessarily for fireworks or for um, certain types of pesticides, right? That that can also be very dangerous, cause physical injury. When we're talking a firearm; it's fairly lethal. So um, it's you know, and I'm right there with you. So and and that's why I brought up my um, personal experience because I think that owning your story makes you real when you come into this conversation. With that being said, several of my family members are gun owners. I'm down. Good for them. That's their thing. Um, I am friends with gun violence survivors that are now in a wheelchair that are also gun owners. So I really don't um, have a strong opinion on if you should ungo- if you should own guns or not. And I actually think that is a um, giant um, a giant knot in this conversation that we won't have as a culture is because people do tend to make this black and white. And if you're making it gun owners, not you, Adam, but in general, right, as a society or culture, if we're making it gun owners versus non-gun owners, you're missing the entire argument. If you walk into any conversation thinking, completely one way or the other, you're never going to hear what the other person is saying. And so where I think that we have really tripped up in this 
country when it comes to this topic in particular is we feel like it's this versus that. Yeah. You're missing the entire thing. So I don't hear overwhelmingly that um, people are saying, I want to take your guns away. Yet it seems to me that that tends to be what a, a gun owner is hearing is they want to take my guns away. And what I'm hearing often is, can we just talk about how they're used? Can we talk about how they're sold? Can we talk about types of ammunition? Can we talk about education? Yeah. Right. And, um, people are kind of walking down their own paths and refusing to come into the middle and have a real conversation. And we've been on that Ferris wheel for 10 plus years now, and it has gotten us nowhere. I just don't know. I'm really hopeful that, um, I, I watched after, after Las Vegas, I watched, uh, one of the late night talk show hosts just, talk about how he was sick and tired of thoughts and prayers mm -hmm. um, that mm -hmm. everybody at the end after one of these things it was the cycle of thoughts and prayers everybody moves into their own camp everybody fights nothing happens we move on we wait until the next one then it happens and everybody goes thoughts and prayers we mm -hmm. move on and um you know and, and and it was one of those things that just kind of resonated with me um i absolutely believe in the power of prayer and Sometimes when you have nothing else to offer, that's one of the greatest gifts that you can offer is your thoughts and prayers to a situation to, um, because you don't have anything else right. to do. Um, you know, there's nothing else to give other than saying I'm with you. And so I'm going to give you my thoughts and prayers. And so I think that's beautiful, but at the same token, I completely understand the frustration that this host was sharing and the fact that nothing changes. Um, and yet it seems like every time that one of these things happen, I'm hopeful that this, this, this maybe could be the time where we could come together and it just doesn't seem to happen. And so that's where the hope breaks down for me. Um, but yet I'm a hopeful person, so I'll keep hoping that this will be the time that we can come together. And you see, hopefully sometimes you see some signs of it and some people starting to talk more about, um, you know, more about the, it becomes less about the rhetoric of you're going to take my guns away. And then they start to throw in mental health or something like that, which to me just seems just as dangerous because mm -hmm. then it's, well, then every person with mental health mm -hmm. issues should have known a gun. And it just, it seems like it's, still more camping and so i'm wondering if you can maybe speak to that aspect of it when you hear that part of the story come out after these things um we are seeing a real theme now of um saying that gun violence is a mental health issue and um this is not a political statement. It is just a statement that has been made in the public over and over and over again. It isn't, you know, the gun that kills somebody, it's the person or it's the mentally challenged, crazy, quote unquote, it's the crazy person. Crazy's crazy. Crazy's always going to be able to get a weapon. Crazy's always, um, I, I do take issue as well. And I'm saying this within my own temple. I'm, I'm sitting in St. Pat's right now. I'm saying this within my own home. I take issue as well with people saying, 
um, that person was evil. Um, this is a whole different topic, but that person was also somebody's child. And um, topic for another day. But that to me just seems like a scapegoat answer. What I've been noticing for quite a while now is there's just a lot of scapegoat answers because we don't have the answer. And really at the end of the day, Adam, I am a huge, huge proponent to, to tell the world there is no quick fix for this. I am fairly certain of it. So, you know, I see the families every single day that have lived through a gun violence situation that have overcome, um, either lost a family member due to suicide, uh, by gunshot wound or have, um, been gun violence survivors themselves. I've met Dylan Klebold's mother several times. Um, he was one of the shooters of Columbine. Um, people forget how traumatized she is as well. And I think we just, it's, we just want to point a finger at one topic and go, well, you know, if we could just keep those crazy people away from getting a weapon or if the NRA or you're like, here we go with the politics, right? I mean, everybody wants to point a finger. It is a cultural issue. It is a really messy, ugly, there are a hundred reasons that have led us down this path to where we are now. And one theme that I've noticed personally, and this is, again, I love having this conversation with you and I applaud Father Eric for being bold and brave enough to want to, to want to open this up. But, um, you know, it's people not listening to one another. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. I mean, my heart, my heart hurts so much over these, um, mass events that for a period of about three to five years, I couldn't um, watch the news. All of my friends would know that they needed to take very gentle care with me. I would get texts when the latest big shooting would occur saying, don't turn on the TV or I love you extra special today. Or I couldn't, I just couldn't. I've now gotten to the part in the last year or two where I can start engaging. And I feel like I want to be a warrior and a champion again in this world for sure. Um, but in all of that reflection that I've done, we've lost our faith as a culture. And so we want to point fingers at, you know, this person, that person, that organization, um, people that are mentally ill. And at what point have we of a culture become so desensitized? we are so desensitized that we've stopped talking to each other and we've stopped looking at each other as people and, um, faith numbers are going down of faith participants and forgetting what that core love and wanting to help other people. And instead, you know, we have people that are scared. We have people that are suffering and they're doing it alone. And, um, I look at, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I do look at these mass episodes of violence ultimately as an act of suicide. I have from day one. So the therapist brain in me just says, this is a glorified act of suicide. And um, to me, it doesn't matter the way that you chop it up, how you present it. 
this is a glorified act of suicide. That person knows going into whatever situation they're going into that they're probably not going to come out of it. They have resolved to that. They're okay with that. They are so unhappy um, that they're okay not walking out that night. That's what they're looking for. But they're going to go out with a bang because that's become the cultural norm now. We can't, we can't just say it's one thing or the other unless we're going to start reconnecting with one another. And um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent too. I will not just point a finger at video games. I think that's an easy answer. I think it's too easy. Is it part of the equation? Absolutely. But I would love it if people could start looking at the whole equation. Instead of fear, they want to just point to one thing yeah. And it's easier, right? And it's easier to say, I don't play a role in that. I don't play a role in that. It's the maker of the video games. It's the parents that allow their children to play the video games. You know, it's it's the NRA. It's the politician that's pocket is being lined. It's um, our mental health system. It's all of it. And at the end of the day, we've all just forgotten to appreciate and love each other. Absolutely. That's, and I think that that's what. I think that that's what. I would love to see from a conversation like this with anybody, is that the listening and the love comes through. You know, we're just trying to be people together, and there's not enough of that. And, and I don't know how we break. The habit of pointing fingers. Um, hmm. because even in saying that, if I, if you're perfectly honest with yourself, you almost point the fingers at the people who put themselves in one camp or another saying, mm-hmm. you're the ones who just can't see that yeah. we just got to come together. And then, so there you're pointing a finger again. So, and I know that's, and I can say personally that that's not my intention when I do that, but the idea of just, you know, pointing the finger at this one thing, um, where does that come from? How how can we work towards? I, I gotta assume that that's some kind of overarching principle, life principle of some way, shape, or form that can be worked on and developed, and those kind of things maybe to be able to say, no, I'm not gonna blame the other. I'm gonna work maybe from maybe it's work on an internal journey, or maybe it's just work of awareness of what's around you. I would say, and I think you would probably agree with me, if you and I could see anything come out of this conversation, um, come out of Father Eric's courage to discuss this, it's microscopic on our own level. It's um, barbecues. It's people coming together. And within those social events, openly discussing it in a respectful manner. I just would love to see um, our own little bubble here at St. Pat's or in Scottsdale, Arizona, or in Phoenix, which is a really um, interesting area when it comes to gun ownership and gun beliefs. We're the wild, wild west. But I would love for people to be able to have the conversation and let all of their guard and their defenses down and stop. Because really, Adam, again, it really is black versus white. Um, You know, 
it's apples and oranges, people will not let go. It is in my opinion. People will not let go of their defenses. People really have decided that they have taken a side and that they're not going to back down regardless of you, what you bring to the table or not. And that's not working. It's not working. So I would love for those that own guns and those that don't own guns to come together and just have a civilized conversation like, can we both agree that this is getting out of control? And can we both agree that something needs to change? And I'm not insulting you and you're not insulting me. And we can still love each other and hold hands with one another and let's go inside and play karaoke. Like, turn on the karaoke machine. <laughs> let's like let's agree that's what is what we think what we're doing in this country isn't working. So how do you maybe this is a you know licensed professional counselor trade secret, but how do you how do you help break how do you help somebody break out of their camp? So let's say that I were to come to you with some real deep seated ideology. Um, let's just talk large concepts about whatever it is but in the case of this it would be you know my gun's mine and you're not going to take that gun away my from me everybody's going to my yeah, dad had guns exactly. my boys are going to have guns so how do you how do you just meet somebody put any of the hot topics in there but how would you just meet somebody who's so planted in something and have that conversation what's a practical way to even begin with somebody like that cuz i think that that's Sometimes the fear, I know that that's sometimes the fear um, amongst, uh, you know, church staff, because church is supposed to be the great unifier. We're all in here from all different yeah. political standpoints, all different sides of the aisle, all different ideologies that way. And we're all holding hands at the Our Father saying the same prayer. So, you know, we're, we're the great unifier. And then so when we approach these topics from even a church standpoint, there's an element of how do we how do we move people from the camps but then on the individual level if we were going to have a barbecue and on you know and one side of the picnic table was the guy whose grandfather had the guns and you'll never take mine away and the other one you know the other side of it was somebody who really just wanted to maybe as far as take all the guns away we don't need them because the law enforcement will handle it you know how are they ever going to be able to start a conversation? Both sides need to stop needing to be right. The need to be right is causing giant disconnect in this country. So it goes back to we have turned from this community um, ideal 50 years ago um, to a very individual ideal right now. I was thinking about this a little bit yesterday and, and right now it's like everybody do what's best for yourself. Like you need, you need to do you, you need to do what's best for you. You need to self care. And I get that and I appreciate it, but there is so much more growth in community than there is an in individual care. So there's a difference between having good firm boundaries, um, and isolating yourself. So we have this our culture right now, and we're kind of um, embedding this in our children, we have this real need to be right. Everybody has to be right or wrong. So when, let's just say you were having the barbecue and you were coming to the table, I everybody needs to let their defenses down of, you know, 
I don't have I don't have a need to be right. I would have the easiest time in that conversation. In all honesty, I mean, I think personal experiences um, ease a conversation really quickly. I think walking into that conversation and saying immediately, like, I am not anti-gun. Or I am not completely pro-gun, right? But what I'm saying is, like, I'm totally cool that you have your firearms at home. Um, and somebody else going, I'm totally cool that that doesn't interest you. But can we both agree that, like, this isn't working? So can we just agree that some type of change needs to take place? And let's take the blame out of it. And once we can, like, you know, come in and go, hey, buddy, like, I'm not telling you. I'm just going to tell you from the get-go. Have your gun. I yeah. suspect you're using it responsibly. Like, I am totally like, so what you just explained within, you know, this arena of like unconditional love, you know, parish staff holding hands and we feel uncomfortable discussing it here, just take that out. The exact same thing is happening in my neighborhood. The exact same thing is happening within my family. I don't think my family, my family really understands my personal stance on guns because they look at me as the tree-hugging anti-gun woman because nobody, they, they, clo they, they close the conversation out immediately because I don't take the same stance that they do. And that's unfortunate. It makes me really, really sad because I feel like I have to um, at times lecture and go, I don't think you really understand my stance. So if yeah. we could all listen and set down our need to be right, um, but I think that I just don't be don't be fearful of the conversation. So many people are fearful of the conversation. We live in a lot of fear in this country right now. We're fearful of um, upsetting somebody. We're fearful if we upset upset somebody about this topic that we're gonna get plugged. In all honesty, we're we're our, our kids. I mean, you want to talk about how this is impacting the kids. Um, Fifty percent of my teenage kids that I work with will walk into my office the first week of school, and and I'll go, you know, how is your schedule? Do you have heightened anxiety because school's back in session? Oh, it's not about school being back in session, Miss Chill. It's about the fact that I go to every classroom on my schedule, and the very first thing I do once I sit down is find the nearest exit route. 50% of the high school kids that I work with spend the first week or two of the school year finding the nearest exit route in their classroom. Like, I just want that to soak in. That is their reality. They don't know any different. Columbine happened when my son, um, Columbine occurred four miles away from my home, and it was the day that I was bringing my child home from the hospital. So as I was leaving the hospital with this miracle of life in my hands, the ambulances were coming in, and I had no idea what was happening. That was 20 years ago. So any high school senior, junior, sophomore knows school violence. Yeah. They haven't lived in a life without it. It's just, it's become part of their lived experience. And I know we touched on that just a little bit in the last podcast when we were talking about uh, the increased depression, anxiety, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and increased suicide. Um, and I just wonder, um, 
are we doing ourselves? I, I think I, for me, some of the fear as a parent comes from, am I doing a, a disservice by either or whether it's talking about it or when the, or maybe it's when the news comes on moving past mm. it, you know, like, yeah. um, that's tricky. It, well, it, and, and you wonder because you want to, you know, as a parent, I want to just make sure my kids are all happy, healthy and good. And I don't want them to have to worry about all this stuff in the world. And so I do find myself in uncomfortable positions when um, they see a news story or my oldest gets a notification on his phone that says, oh, did you know there was another shooting? Well, how, yeah. how am I going to respond to that? So um, it's a balance and I don't. I think a lot of us don't know how to deal with that. Because we weren't taught on how to deal with that because our parents hadn't had to deal with it, right? So we're all treading new territory here, all of us. And there is such a thing as re-traumatization um, from the media. Um, so you bring up a really valid concern, and I think you have to find your middle ground. I think... Um, you don't want to ignore it or sweep it under the rug or act like it didn't happen because this is the reality for our kids today. Um, they do have social media. They are seeing it. So I, I would rather that you address it, discuss it, maybe watch one news story about it, and then as it's looping over and over and over for four days, you don't need to be the one or the parent um, that is sitting in front of the TV, going from NBC to CNN to Fox to make sure that you get the story in all different angles and then coming to the dinner table going, did you hear that there was a third victim and the victim's cousin said that? So that's when we're causing more um, harm than good to our children. But um, addressing it with your kids, absolutely. Giving them a hug, absolutely. Trying to ignore it you're creating an environment where they won't come to you when they need to discuss it. So just kind of finding that middle ground, right? I do think, you know, you and I were discussing earlier of how can we create change and kind of what's happening within our own society. We are all naturally becoming desensitized. That is human nature. That is happening because it, what did you say? There's been 200 and something, something school shootings. Yeah, two not school, not 271. Mass shootings. 271 mass shootings, and that was from the Gun Violence Archive. Um, many, many more when you just look at just shootings in general. But the numbers seemed almost unbelievable, so in the opening I didn't want to say that number. And, and, I'm, and I'm aware of that number, and it is, it is very high and um, alarming. But what you know, our minds, we're just searching for joy in our culture right now. Like we are just searching for some peace. And again, that's the bigger global picture for us. Like, I think we're at a real crossroads right now. I think we're at a real crossroads right now. Um, there is a lot of angst. There's a lot of unhappiness and, you know, we can only handle this in small doses. So we take the latest story, we pay attention to it, and 48 hours later, like, we have to move on for our own sanity. Um, but that's hard. I don't know about you, but for me internally, three days later, 
I'm really struggling with, am I really over this? Like, can I'm I really just moving on? Like, am I turning into one of those? Yeah, you, you, and, you're almost wow. mad at your own desensitization. Oh, ab- desensitization. Word. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> at, you're, yeah. you're, you're sad and, and um, you're letting yourself down even, but you know that, you know, there's stuff that needs to be done. There's a hockey practice that needs to get to, and there's, you know, business deals that need to be closed. And, um, you know, I just, I implore us all to just be very aware of that because as you said earlier, we get this momentum after an event has occurred. Um, we temporarily come together as a country. Somebody says somewhere on some news program that we're going to create change. And within a week, that was yesterday's story. And that's one thing that we can all do collectively to create change. Um, don't lose your momentum. And Father Eric actually, yep. He said yeah. that in his sermon, like we all, and I'm talking globally, I'm not just talking St. Pat's, but we all have means somehow, somewhere to make a phone call, to talk to a cousin, to talk to a friend, to talk to a neighbor that knows somebody or to call up, you know, somebody that you haven't talked to in 20 years and do things to create change. Instead, we are so beaten down. I know I am. Yeah. We're so beaten down. We're just kind of, you know rolling over yeah i think in some ways maybe even just the simple step of making the phone call um is change you know sometimes the simple step of coming here to a conversation like this on a podcast can be change i really i keep going back to that image of the barbecue that you said earlier because it really does bring it personal and in and home and it doesn't make this big, huge national issue, which we know it is, international world issue. I mean, we had the uh, bombing attack in Paris, too, you know. So now, in a lot of ways, there's some things that are uniquely American about mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. gun violence issue. Um, but to even bring it down further then and just say, it's my city, it's my, it's my state, it's my city. No, it's actually just my backyard. Um, I really like that, uh, and I want to hold on to that image because I think that what I've heard us talk about for this last little bit has all been about being able to have that conversation, have it with the kids, have it mm-hmm. with your friends, mm-hmm. have it with those you agree with and those you disagree with. Um, and I love that idea of letting go of the need to be right. Connection can't exist when you need to be right. Yeah. Bottom line. I think that actually says it all right there. We have to set that down. We have to set down that need to be right and go back to that connection. Um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. Thank you for giving me the platform and the opportunity. You know, I, just as a way to kind of finally wrap things up, um, We've just talked about so much in this last little bit here, but you know, you mentioned the not pointing the finger at mm-hmm. uh, you know one particular thing, and setting down that need to be right, and then the image that I love so much of that table. Um, is there just any way that you would like to wrap that up? I know that we're gonna, as a parish, we're encouraging this conversation to continue, and I would just invite you to um, kind of give your final thought here. That's not a final thought, 
but just maybe <laughs> give us the last couple of things to think about as we continue the conversation. I think that um, what I would love to see happen is that we do continue the conversation and we don't become numb because we do feel helpless, all of us, and we do feel like we can't create change. So we've stopped trying. And if we just start here at St. Pat's, if we just start within our own neighborhoods and we don't let the conversation die. And so I would love to see something new um, about this topic come up frequently here. Um, I think as a culture, we've become numb. I know I have. I know that in order to protect myself, I have stopped feeling a lot of these. And that's scary to me. I mean, I get emotional talking about it. That is really, really scary to me that I have stopped feeling them. And um, just please keep feeling every time one of these happens and use that feeling to motivate you to do your part to create change. And if that means setting down your armor and setting down your sword and listening differently to a neighbor or asking somebody, you know, calling your uncle and having a conversation about it and or writing a letter, making a phone call, I just don't want to see this peter out because that's what's been happening over and over and over again. And I think I would love to see the momentum create a wave and the wave create change. And for maybe not for our children, but maybe for our children's children to know a completely different way of life than we know now.